Oh, my God. 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
נפשי, נפשי חמדה, חמדה בצל ידיך.
לפניך נפתחים בחסדי אבות ראשונים. אנחנו בטוחים, תיקון תפילתנו כרח ניחוחים. אדוני פועליך בקרב שנים חיהו, אדוני.
going to start off the evening with a, a song that could be called the motto of Rav Nachman of Breslov. Who here has heard Rav Nachman of Breslov? <laughs> so we, are, we are part of the Breslov community in Sfat. Who's been to Sfat? Some of us live there. He told his students when he was very sick, he said, never give up. Never, ever give up. This means for us to never give up on our, our nation, our families, our spouses, our children. But maybe most of all, never give up on ourselves. Look deep inside and find more and more potential there. Never give up.
Next song is uh, a dance number. It's also like a lechadodi. It's a nice Hasidic melody. It comes from the Ukraine originally. We use it often in the morning after after davening. We uh, have a little dance. Rabbi, what do you say? New custom. I'm not a man, 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome to a Wednesday, everybody. That's Simply Tzfat. Boy, they're simply great. And I've been so into their music over the last week or so. Uh, the Nigun you heard, Nigun Simcha, before that lowly hit ya A. Shehuda Glanz with Yishma Kombalev, Yishai Rebo, who's in town tomorrow night in Brooklyn, with Hashem Shamati and Nafshi. Hanashamalach, words from... Uh, Slichos, that's Shlomo Kalbach, and of course Slichos begins this coming Saturday night, Sunday for uh, Ashkenazim. Sfardim have been saying Slichos for a while. And Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this August the 25th, day 17 in the month of Elul, the year 5781. Tufshin Pei Aleph. 76 degrees, 70% humidity, winds north at 2 miles an hour. Sunny, hot, humid today and a high of 93. Whoa. Clear tonight, low 76. Tomorrow, sunny and a high of 91.1. Yerushalayim at 89. We're at 76 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Michael Eisenberg's going to join us later on. He's got a brand new book, The Tree of Life and Prosperity is the name of it. Um, our friends from Karen Ashvias are supposed to uh, check in. We might hear from Leora Teji today in Israel as we encourage people to continue to give to her great cause during our El Chesed campaign. I want to thank Steve Adelsberg, who chairs our campaign, for being with us yesterday with fun yet important messages about helping others before Yontif. And... Um, and, uh, yeah, my schedule is... Uh, I'm heading into uh, foot surgery later today, so I'll be off tomorrow and Friday. I want to thank Avrami and Matis in advance for taking care of our Thursday and Friday programming. And Avrami's really got a workload because in addition to being here tomorrow morning at JM in the AM, he's going to be uh, hosting the live lunch between 11 and 1 tomorrow as well. So I thank Avrami for a big Thursday. I thank Matis for a big Friday. Um... And although, yeah, in a typical year, it wouldn't be that strange I'd be off toward the end of August. That's true. But uh, this year is so different because Yontif is so fast approaching. Uh, anyway, so my plan is to be back here on August the 30th, which is Monday morning, please God. Um, and uh, that is the goal. And Bezrat Hashem, that's what will happen. And I will uh, speak with you again then. Meanwhile, we've got a big Wednesday jam in the AM here. And I thank all of you for tuning in. And uh, and we, as we said, we have a lot of special guests and uh, plenty of important information to share with everybody. Uh, this is Baruch Levine with the Achdus Medley off of his oh off of his album entitled Where are we here? There we go. Off of his album entitled Off the Record at JM in the AM. Oh, we'll do that one later on. Okay, well we'll have we'll have the Baruch Levine. Oh gosh, uh, we'll have the Baruch Levine um, um, selection coming up here at JM in the AM. But first, uh, this one from Ari Goldwag at JM in the AM. coming your way keep your head held high 
just start with today Even when your hope starts to fade Don't give up on the prayer that you prayed Cause Hashem is always there to find It's all about your frame of mind He's always there, He always cares He's listening to your prayers Yes, Hashem is always there, you know I got it, now you're good to go Keep holding up and staying strong And listening for Hashem's voice in life So
Angels in the sky, in a garden full of glory, the galaxies so brilliantly related, ultimately high on that first page of our story, till the time our parents were created, and this brother came. Through a blow so mad and chilling Tragically, he never did recover Oh, it's really so insane All our selfishness that's killing That stranger who's our sister and our brother So listen, brother, listen, friend Just a little smile
foreign land Sits and davins an older man You're amazed at his life of simplicity How his words reach you with sensitivity And your eyes recognize as never before That the dream that he prays for is yours Miles apart, close at heart Feel the bond as one from the start Although mountains and oceans are in our way We are joined from the time of that wondrous day When at Sinai we learned the path we would take That the chains of our past would never Place in the 
Through the heart of a Jew Open up its many doors And the soul that you'll see there inside Is a reflection of yours For each soul is a part To each other We are all part of one another And we have always been one We are one since way back in time Unified at our start We began Forever. 
JM in the AM with Benny Friedman, Visecha Zena, Baruch Levine and Company had the selection Achdos uh, here at JM in the AM. And uh, we're here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. 76 degrees, sunny, hot, humid, high of 93. Clear tonight, low 76. Tomorrow, sunshine, a high of 91.1. 89, usual. I am 76 here in New York City. Good morning from JM in the AM. Avrami's going to be sitting in tomorrow. Um, I'll be off until Monday when I return. Uh, and uh, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Um, please keep in mind, Nachman Ben Esterdina. Nachman Ben Esterdina. And please keep in mind, Chaya Bracha Liba Rachma Basmanya Rivka. Chaya Bracha Liba Rachma Basmanya Rivka. Please play some more Kalbach or Mordechai Shapiro from his Machar album. We'll try to do that. That comes from me. NSN app, and it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galit's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Lots happening today here at uh, JM in the AM. We'll hear from our friends at Karen Hashvius. We will speak to uh, Michael Eisenberg about his brand new book. And... Um, we might hear from Leora Teji today regarding our El Chesed campaign and a whole bunch more. It's a Wednesday. Galaitzal, our Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM in the AM. בית המשפט המחוזי בבאר שבע הרשיע לפני שעה קלה את אביעד משה בניסיון רצח של בת זוגו לשעבר שירה איסקוב בביתם במצפה רמון. בנוסף הרשיע בית המשפט את אביעד משה בהתעללות בבנם ושל כך שניסיון הרצח נעשה מול עיניו. התווינו רמי שני שמע את שירה איסקוב לאחר ההכרעה. זה שהכירו בזה, זה כיף אדיר, זה פשוט מדהים. משמח קצת שהצדק נעשה. אנחנו עדיין צריכים לעבור את כל ההליך הזה, עוברים אותו לבד, ונמשיך, נראה מה יהיה בגזרדים. שר הבריאות הורוביץ מקיים בשעה זו דיון לפתרון משבר בתי החולים הציבוריים בהשתתפות מנכ"לי משרדי הבריאות והאוצר. זאת לאחר ששבעת בתי החולים פועלים מהבוקר במתכונת שבת מצומצמת בשל קשיים כלכליים. כתבנו לענייני בריאות שי פרידמן מזכיר כי מוקדם יותר היום כתב הורוביץ שאפשר ונדרש להגיע להסכמות עד לסוף היום וכי הוא מבטיח שלא יאפשר את המשך המצב. מנכ"ל בית החולים לניאדו נדב חן אמר ביומן הצהריים יש לנו הסכמים חתומים עם משרדי האוצר והבריאות, אבל הכסף לא מגיע. אין לנו מחלוקת, לא עם משרד האוצר ולא עם משרד הבריאות. יש לנו הסכם חתום מתחילת השנה, עם המספרים מוגדרים, הזמנים שהכספים צריכים לעבור. אבל כשזה מגיע לשלב של היישום, מצד אחד יש מלחמה וכולנו התגייסנו והבאנו את הצוותים, אבל הסיוע של הממשלה בתהליך הזה פתאום עומד. פתאום יש את כל הבירוקרטיה שבעולם, ואנחנו עומדים מול משרד הבריאות, שזה האבא שלנו, שצריך להילחם בשבילנו, והוא לא מצליח להביא את התוצאות. שר הביטחון גנץ אומר בשיחה עם שגרירים ברחבי העולם, אני לא פוסל שנצטרך לפעול גם בעתיד כדי שאיראן לא תגיע לנשק גרעיני. מדווח כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון דורון קדוש. גנץ אמר לשגרירים, ידענו לפעול בעבר, ואני לא פוסל שנצטרך לפעול גם בעתיד כדי שאיראן לא תגיע לנשק גרעיני. לדבריו, איראן במרחק חודשיים מצבירת החומר הדרוש לפצצה גרעינית, והעולם חייב לעצור את ההתקדמות שלה כבר עכשיו. באשר לתקיפת הספינה מרסר סטריט במפרץ אומן אמר, כי על פי הערכות שבידי ישראל, התקיפה בוצעה מאדמת איראן. 
ושליחת גלי צהל לוושינגטון מוריה אסרף וולברג מוסיפה שראש הממשלה בנט ייפגש היום עם מזכיר המדינה האמריקני, שר ההגנה והיועץ לביטחון לאומי. מחר בשעה שש, שעון ישראל, ייפגש בנט עם הנשיא ביידן בבית הלבן. הקרב על הרפורמה בחקלאות, שר החקלאות עודד פורר תוקף את מובילי מחאת החקלאים ואת חברי הכנסת שמתנגדים לרפורמת היבוא ואומר לאמיר איבגי הם לא יחזיקו את אזרחי ישראל שבויים בתוך קבוצות של בעלי אינטרסים. זאת בדיוק שיטת הניהול שבה מתנהל השוק של הביצים והשוק של הפירות והירקות עם מועצות ייצור ארכאיות, מועצות המהפכה החקלאיות של הבולשביזם ובגלל שאנחנו מפרקים את זה, אז אנשים שנהנים היום מכל מיני תפקידים של הסכום החקלאית זועקים חמאס. ישנם חברי כנסת שקבוצות אינטרס קטנות לוחצות אותם. אנחנו מחויבים לקבוצת האינטרס של הציבור הישראלי ובסוף כשמגיעים לשם האצבע תונף. מכאן למזג האוויר ממחר הכבדה ניכרת בעומסי החום. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Daring moving story ever to have been told, one of agony and glory, of a mission to uphold. Mm, and you're essential to this story, a letter in its sacred scroll, and it's not just allegory when you embrace your place and role. You never find yourself in a situation that you cannot undo so let your letter shine unto the nations be proud to be a Jew cause we've been hunted down in senseless hate and we're searching back with love and care and it's never ever too late for any Jew Anywhere Every soul's a holy letter Every family word A community, a sentence Each voice, it must be heard And to the letters that rose up in smoke We must do more than say never again And be the eternal letters of hope For our children and for them You never find yourself in a situation that you cannot undo. So let your letter shine unto the nations. Be proud to be a Jew. Cause we've been hunted down in senseless hate and we're searching back with love and care. I know it's never, never. 
Too late. That's Ruby New and Company from Schlockrock. You heard under the chuppah. I was just in the mood. I was just in the mood. We don't usually go uh, way back um, in music history with a uh, selection like that, but I was just in the mood, especially when I realized that I never got to my Mazel Tov wish yesterday. Mazel Tov going out to Yisrael Tzvi Goldstein and Shifra Amada, who got married uh, last night. And a, a Mazel Tov going out to uh, Mutti Dax and Miri Frankel, who got engaged uh, two nights ago, I believe they got engaged. Mutti Dax and Miri Frankel. So Mazel Tov and Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Shoshana was on by the Solomon Brothers. You heard Eitan Katz and Zusha together with Carva to open up the hour here at JM in the AM. Well, um, many of you know that some of the campaigns that we have running here at JM in the AM actually fit in perfectly with our Elul Chesed campaign. And Karen Ashvias does, in fact, fit right in. As you know, there are um, a lot of farmers in Israel, and they are facing a tremendous challenge now at the beginning of a Shemitah year. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to say it. A tremendous challenge uh, to the farmers of Israel. And the truth is, we've been saying over the last few days, that we have an opportunity to partner with them, help them get through the year, and help them uh, uh, keep and maintain um, a livelihood, and at the same time, an unbelievable mitzvah from the Torah. Remember, a farmer not only has the uh, uh, Shemitah to worry about, where he's getting no profit at all from his farm, but he knowingly goes into debt, having to pay for his lease on his land, pay off the loans on his machines. Karen Ashvies is the only organization directly supporting the farmer, and every penny you donate ensures that he can survive the year. Information, you can go to karenhashvies.org, Karen Hashvies. Dot org, or you can uh, dial 888-675-6694, 888-675-6694. One of the most outspoken people about the um, uh, the need for the farmers uh, that Karen Hashvias deals with is the one and only Jamie Geller. Jamie Geller, 
uh, the celebrity chef, uh, the cookbook author, uh, the um, uh, chief media and marketing officer for Aish in Israel uh, and worldwide. And uh, for our purposes, a real friend of Karen Ashvias. Jamie is with us live via telephone from Israel. Jamie Geller, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. It's so exciting. You give the warmest welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. It was wonderful seeing you in Israel. I know it's going to make a lot of people jealous because <laughs> I feel guilty that I was able to get to the Holy Land this summer, but it was wonderful seeing you in the holy city of Jerusalem. It was so special to be together. I'll treasure the picture that we took together <laughs> on the roof of H. It was so lovely and great to catch up with your wife and fun all around. Yeah, it was really nice. And I'll tell you, folks, there ain't no better view in the world. When Jamie says the picture looks great, has nothing to do with the people in it. The background is simply historic and amazing. So tell me how you became a friend of Karen Hashvias. How did this all evolve? You know, it's so funny. So it goes back um, seven, eight years ago. They first contacted me before the last Shemitah. I was new here to Israel. And some of the, you know, we're talking about the challenge to the farmers, but for new Olims here coming around to Shemitah year, or for those who haven't yet experienced one, there's a lot of anxiety and nervousness. What do I buy? What do I buy? How do I... How do I, um, you know, keep the producers from, you know, in your kitchen and in your home perspective? And so we first started talking back then, and then we circled back around this year. And it has been the most intense, beautiful, heartbreaking, yet heartwarming and inspirational experience um, to get to know the organization more um, and partner with them as we travel all around the country, north to south, east to west, and speaking to the farmers and actually getting to know them and their families and specifically the wives of the farmers. Some are female farmers, some are partners to their husbands in the fields, and some are just partners at home and seeing what this year's Shemitah looks like for them, which obviously pales in comparison to the homemaker trying to decide, you know, which produce to buy and how to dispose or not dispose, you know, of the Shemitah produce. Yeah, Shemitah does cause um, uh, some challenging situations that people need to be educated about in Israel. Uh, but you're right, the, the, the farmer situation is certainly the most challenging. Jamie Geller is with us live via telephone. And, and this, and I'm very open with this audience, you know, this is a campaign for us as we try to help Karen Ashvias, but uh, it fits right into our El Chesed campaign because uh, uh, you're, we're literally, as one uh, gives to, as one supports Karen Ashvias, they are supporting farmers that have made this commitment to, to the land and to our tradition and, frankly, to our Torah. It is a mitzvah specifically uh, from the Torah. Now, I've been, I've been hard. I know there's a lot of messages here, and nobody knows about messages in media like you do. Uh, but I've really been focused on this one message, and that is that uh, you know, you know, these farmers have to uh, make a financial sacrifice like none other. They are not uh, um, making any money from their farm, and on top of that, they have leases on their land, they have machinery that has to be paid for, they have loans out for whatever they've needed in the past, and, and here's our opportunity to support them. So with all the messages out there about the importance of Karen Ashvias, I think that that might be the most important one. We're putting money back into the pockets of farmers who have no choice but to spend money during this year. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And to take it even a step further, many of them, it's very hard to get workers. I spoke to a lot of farmers. And I think, you know, maybe a generation ago, it was very romantic to become a farmer and to work the land. But it's becoming less and less what the next generation of youth are doing here in the country. And 
So they, it's very hard for them to get good workers, to hold on to workers. So many of them will not let their workers go, and they will pay them throughout the year, even if they won't work, just to know that they have their reliable farmhands who have been with them. So that's in addition to all the bills that you mentioned. On top of that, think about some of them are making a simcha this year, or if they have a bar mitzvah, what if they have a wedding? If there's, you know, um, situations like that. And in addition, many of them have contracts that they have to fulfill for distri- distribu- distribution, distributors across the country, whether, you know, some of them get big contracts with national distributors, they lose them. If they decide this year they're not going to supply the contract, they're losing their contract. So sometimes they're forfeiting contracts that are three, four, five, six years old. But if they can't supply, then they're dropped like a hot potato, if you will, by these larger companies, and they just go to the next farm that's willing to supply them the potatoes for the year, and they give them the next five, ten-year contract. There's so many layers and layers of this is going implications. And then on top of that, in five seven eight one and five seven eight two, add the whole COVID situation because I'm sure there's some yeah. bene- some benefits for those who are selling food during COVID. But I would imagine that the majority of the situations that a farmer or anybody in business faces during COVID is a very very big challenge. Of course, every single industry was hit, including the farming industry. So they're coming off like the last 18 months, which, you know, we're not the most stellar in terms of uh, business for really, like I said, any industry. And I actually recently just visited a farm just last week at the Gaza border. I mean, I almost literally could have touched the border, (laughs) and they had to deal with the last Gaza war. And I I think it's really, really interesting just to teach everyone here. uh, You know, the Iron Dome intercepts the missiles that are headed for populated residential areas. But... Missiles that are going to fall in open fields, they let go because we know the cost of every single battery that it takes to intercept the missile, right. and we need to keep that to protect human life. Well, guess what? The open fields are farmland, and we saw literally holes in greenhouses, holes in hothouses, damage to fields like COVID and the war and the sheep. It's like so intense for some of them. I am crying along with them. I can only imagine. I didn't even consider that, how much of their land has been destroyed by the enemy. Uh, Everybody out there, um, as we've been saying, you determine, or all of us determine, how many farmers will keep Shemitah simply by the commitment that Karen Ashvias can make to the farmers and the farming industry during this Shemitah year. It's pretty easy to give. Go to KarenHashvias.org, KarenHashvias.org, or you could dial 888-675-6694, 888-675-6694. Six six nine four and uh, and make a donation and get more information. As you heard Jamie Geller say, uh, there are uh, farmers from north to south, east and west, east to west in Israel, uh, of all types, all backgrounds, and all sizes in terms of their farms and their and their um, uh, operation uh, that are in great need uh, during this uh, uh, upcoming Shemitah year. And you know, one of the things you mentioned, Jamie, is the anxiety. I know what it's like, you know, the day the day before a fast day when you worry when when you when you worry about you know about uh, making sure to eat enough. I can only imagine what it's like two weeks before the shemitah year when these farmers are building that anxiety within and just wondering, you know, how how on earth am I going to make it through this? You know, once you're in it, you know how it is. Once you're in it, the the you know th- th- the the focus changes, but beforehand the anxiety yeah. builds like crazy. Yeah, you can't even imagine, and you can't imagine what it's doing to their relationships and their home life as well. You know, some husband and wives are like full force together as one, one mind, one body, one soul, moving forward to Shemitah. Another one is like 
the farmer, the husband feels really passionate about it, but the wife is not yet on board. She wants to support the husband. And she, I've heard a few of the wives speaking about getting up at night, crying in the middle of the night. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And really can continue to ask the husband, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Now, that will do, like, you know, that could penetrate anyone's resolve. When right. their partner, their, their spouse is sitting there crying, like, how can we do this? And it makes them question their own commitment to the mitzvah. And you have to know, you said all types. There are many farmers here. They're not wearing yarmulke. They're not wearing tzitzis. If you would look at them, you would not consider them to be religious. And they have taken on this mitzvah with a passion that is so inspiring. And because of them, and if we give, we can partner with them, we can do a mitzvah that we would never be able to do without right. them. So there's so many layers and layers here to the conversation and the buildup. Um, and what it means to partner with these farmers and their family. And I know this is not our focus today, but it is pretty amazing the stories you hear about farmers who have in the past made this commitment and then the blessings that were showered upon them you know, in subsequent years. Now, again, we don't know exactly how the one above works, so we don't, <laughs> we don't want to make believe that we know how the formula operates. Uh, but still, it's something to hear stories like that where the farmers make this commitment, are assuming they're going to hit rock bottom. And then, you know, as things, can, as, as things open up and as the Shemitah year starts to end, all of a sudden they're being showered with blessings. So I think it's interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I think that's something we say, you know, to make ourselves feel better and to inspire, you know, the farmers. But the truth is every single farmer I spoke to is not doing it because they're still mechon a blessing. They're not doing it because they believe a miracle is coming. They're doing it because they believe it's right. And, in fact, the opposite, they believe it's wrong, meaning they're, they're I want to say fearful, right. but, like, they, you know, they think it's, you, you can't, we can't not do this. It's more coming from the opposite motivation than, oh, a miracle is going to happen, and they're expecting abundant blessings. Because the miracles, while they do happen, and they are amazing, and they do make us feel good about all this, no one is doing it, you know, expecting that or with that in mind. I hear that. Uh, by the way, we sh- I assume, I mean, you know, uh, obviously, you know, raising money for Karen and is the most important thing because we want to be able to help out uh, in terms of their efforts with the farmers. But I would assume one of the other things Karen and is doing is in a way trying to convince certain farmers that are just not 100% sure they can make this commitment to go ahead and do it. And, you know, you, you, need, you need a little money behind you to, you know, to have a conversation with them. You need to know that you'll be able to support them if you're trying to encourage them to keep the mitzvah of Shemitah. I would assume that's also part of the whole mix, right? Of course. Of course. So there are those who are gung-ho who seek out Karen Ashiyas, and there are those that Karen Ashiyas goes out and educates. There are many farmers that don't know about this. I mean, think about, you know, um, the vastness of the people that make up, you know, this land and that they're farming. Right. There's a level of education. There's a, le- a level of support. There has to be a level of encouragement. Um, so their work began a long, long time ago, really just pounding the pavement or the farmland, if you will, talking to farmers and explaining what this mitzvah is. Yeah. And their goal for this year, Karen Ashvitz, or our goal, let's say, since we're all in this together, is really to get 51% of the farmland Israel um, that that should lie fallow for the Shemitah year, and that represents $65 million. It's a $65 million commitment to support just for that 51% of the farmland in Eretz Israel should lie fallow. Yeah. So they have time, uh, you know, uh, of work ahead, but there's a lot of, like, sort of education and, and encouragement that needs to go into this as well for those farmers that don't know or are on the fence. And uh, hitting 51 would be very significant. I mean, God looking down and seeing that the majority are doing it would be pretty cool. Uh, Karen Ashvies, it's very simple, everybody. It fits right into our Elul Chesed campaign. 
Um, uh, that's what this campaign for Karen Ashvias does, and I hope everybody takes a close look at it. There's plenty of information online. Go to KarenHashvias.org, KarenHashvias.org, and help with the mitzvah of Shemitah in Israel. KarenHashvias.org. You can also dial 888-675-6694, 888-675-6694. She's a celebrity chef, a cookbook author, uh, the um, chief media and marketing officer for Aish in Israel and around the world, and she is a very close friend of Karen Ashvias, and that's Jamie Geller. Jamie, I take this opportunity to wish you a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. You're an inspiration not only for all the things that I just mentioned, uh, but the fact that you uh, th- that you speak with such great pride and joy about your aliyah, which seems to be going very, very well for you and your family, and there's nothing to us more important than that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love to the entire family and to all your listeners. Welcome. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Jamie Geller, everybody. Karen Ashvias at the karenashvias.org or 888-675-6694. Amazing to check in with her uh, about her latest efforts on this. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to her again. She's involved in so many wonderful things. And as a wonderful guest, Wednesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arav Zebner Yosef Alevi, Zechonishmas Esther Basar Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. During the month of Elul, we are involved in the tshuva process, seeking out that which we have done wrong during the year, or that which we might have done better, and we do tshuva, we repent for it. The Rambam says in Hilchus Tshuva, the laws dealing with repentance, that what does an individual do when they want to do Tshuva? They say, Chatosi I have sinned before you. They mention the things that they have done. And they say to Hashem, I will never return to this sin. The Mabit asks the question, how can it be that an individual says, I will never return to the sin. Sometimes it might happen that a person may fall in again. It may be that the individual is trying very hard. However, since they're so ruggel, they're accustomed to doing what they've been doing in the past, they might fall in again. So how is it possible that a person can actually say to Hashem, I'll never return to this sin again. If a person promises another individual and they break their promise, it's bad enough. But to promise the Boreolam, the creator of the world, and then to go back on the promise, it's not simple. Says the Mabit, an extremely interesting answer. He says that when an individual cries out, when they do tshuva, when they're moved to repentance, and they say, they say it with the neshama, the nefesh elokis, their godly soul. The godly soul wants to do all that's right, wants to be close to Hashem, wants to be spiritual. However, if they do go back and repeat the sin, they do the avera another time, it's not the godly soul that's acting, it's the nefesh bahamis or the animalistic soul. That's the soul of Gashmias, of materialism, that's grounded into the world. And it's with that soul that the individual actually commits the sin. So we see that there are two parts of man. What we try to do is to unify 
the Gashmius and the Ruchnius, the material and the spiritual, the Nevesheh and the Nevesheh Bahamis, so that it all should act in consonance to do the Ratzon of Hashem, to do the will of God. Every single person in this world wants to do the will of Hashem. We all have that Nefesh Elokis, the godly soul. The only thing that during the month of Elul, during this Chodesh, we have to try our very best to bring it out, that that's the one that should surface, and that is the one that will carry us to a good, sweet, and healthy new year. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
J.M. in the A.M. Maishi Tischler and Chazakim. Wednesday morning. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms have announced their schedule for the uh, Yom Tov season. Oh, it's impressive. You wonder, you say to yourself, is it possible that our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms could be open that much with such late hours for their customers? And the answer, of course, is yes. Today's what, the 25th of August? So... They're open tonight till 11. They're open tomorrow night until 11. They're open Friday until 5.15. Wow. But then the Yuntif schedule brings in some uh, evenings that they're open until midnight, sometimes until 1 o'clock in the morning, just to make sure you have what you need. In the most delicious fresh produce, all the great meat and poultry, uh, baked goods and takeout, sushi, nuts, uh, fruit and candy. I'm meaning dried fruit and candy. Uh, they've got every department you can imagine. Have you checked out Aaron's Casino Farms? If not, do it. Do it. You'll be glad you did because you'll discover a supermarket that really fulfills all of your needs. Go to Aaron's Casino Farms and Casino Boulevard in Queens or just go to CasinoFarms.com for information. Simple as that. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Have you ever seen the A&H display at Aaron's Casino Farms or any of the great kosher supermarkets? Have you ever tasted the delicious hot dogs? Their phenomenal sausage? Their fantastic pastrami, their wonderful kishka, their incredible stir fry. Have you ever had A&H? Have you tried these items? If not, make a New Year's commitment. Make a New Year's resolution that you'll try at least a couple of these incredible products from A&H at some point in 5782. Simply remarkable and just great. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio at the website kosherdogs.net. Always use promo code radio at kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today, and uh, Seth Levitt and the entire A&H family extend a happy, healthy, and sweet new year to all of the wonderful JM and the AM and Nahum Siegel Network listeners, and we do the same back to A&H. Wednesday morning, JM and the AM, as we continue here on a um, on a Wednesday with DeVakis. Oh, 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 
J.M. in the A.M. with Vegas, Wednesday morning broadcast. Avrami tomorrow. Mott is scheduled for Friday. I'm back here Monday, please God, at J.M. in the A.M. Quarter before 8 o'clock on this uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, Michael Eisenberg, who's been a guest of ours before. We've had the pleasure of having him in our studio here in New York City. He is uh, in Israel. He's the author of the brand new book, The Tree of Life. And prosperity, the tree of life and prosperity, 21st century business principles from the book of Genesis. Michael Eisenberg is co-founder and general partner at Aleph, an early stage venture capital fund with over $500 million under management. Aleph focuses on partnering with great Israeli entrepreneurs to build large, meaningful companies and, and impactful global brands. Since its founding in 2013, Aleph has invested in more than 40 companies, including Hope I have these pronounced right. Milio, Lemonade, Bring, Joy Tunes, Healthy.io, and Nexar. I probably mispronounced one or more, but hey, I gave it a shot. Michael Eisenberg, author of The Tree of Life and Prosperity. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum, and thank you for that musical lead, and that's literally my favorite song. Wow. Go figure. No such thing as coincidence, huh? You know, one of the problems, and maybe that's the wrong word, uh, I, I think one of the great things about writing a book that's based on the Parsha of the, of the Week is that people have an option of uh, 
you know, taking it all in in one sitting or, or following along week by week. And I think that's a great system. And obviously, Parsha books in general and books that uh, follow the Parshiot are very, very popular. The challenge for the author, and maybe you'll tell me it's not a big deal, is trying to fit their theme into each Parsha. With that in mind, are there, in fact, 21st century business principles in every single Parsha of Safer Bracious, and I would say also of the Torah? That's a great question. And by the way, when, when we wrote the book, my uh, editor in Hebrew, Rabbi Amit Miskav, and I debated whether to build the book in, in terms of concepts or, or context or to do it by Parsha. And I insisted it be done by Parsha because I think that's, that's how we read the Torah. Well. Um, but mo- most importantly, in every Parsha, uh, there is a topic, and, and the book started as parshanut. It started as textual uh, analysis and not as a business principles book, and it's written as such. I take the text of the Torah, we look at a given uh, story or set of verses in the Torah, they're re-explained through an economic lens, going back to the time uh, that it's written uh, or that it happened, and then uh, parallel to something that's going on in modern times. So, you know, just as an example... There's parshanut, um, or explication of the verses in, in the story of uh, Brasis in, in, in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden, where uh, Adam and Eve have all their sustenance provided for. And this reminds us, of course, of, of the current debate around universal basic income. Should we just give out money to people uh, so that they can live and then they'll do great things? Well, we find out that in the Garden of Eden, in Gan Eden, uh, you know, Adam and Eve don't do anything. They're bored. They don't even talk to each other. Eve, Chava, talks to the serpent, and there are no children in the Garden of Eden because there's no work to do. Only once man and, and woman are expelled from Gan Eden uh, do they get to work and do they start having kids and, and reproducing. And I think that's very uh, impactful on modern thinking as to whether we should provide sustenance. And by the way, post-COVID, we actually had a try at this because the government gave out checks and we right. know people aren't coming back to work. Right. We have a living lab of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, no question about it. The first thing I thought of as I was, as I was reading that is that uh, you know today? I mean, is it can one say is is it is it too simplistic to say that it all comes down to whether people are fending for themselves or being provided for? Is that like is that like just a basic principle of economics? But not just economics, but life in general. You're either going to be provided by somebody else, or you have to work and make sure to do what you need to do to support your family. I think it's not only. Uh... Uh, about working to support your family, there's value to work in itself. I think the lesson of, of much of Safer Bracious, but certainly of the story of, of, of uh, the Parsha Bracious in Gan Eden, is that there's value to work itself. Like I said, man does not have any children until he begins to work, right. creates bread, deals with thorns and thistles, coats with and, and and that in itself is important. And, uh, you know, just getting fed or sustenance or what they call Parnassa, is, is not sufficient. We need creative endeavor. Right. Uh, so when one goes ahead and uh, and implements real work, real ambition, real creativity into society, the ripple effect, the benefits have such an amazing ripple effect on everybody, as you just said, way beyond just one person and their family. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think we can we can take lesson from Abraham Avinu in, in, in this regard. So, you know, Abraham comes uh, to Eretz Canaan, and we know he comes with his wife and 70 uh, souls uh, and a lot of uh, rechush, a lot of possessions, and lot. 
his, his nephew. We only know one biographical fact about Lot, and that is she's an orphan. Right. As far as we know, Avram is a wealthy man, and then there's a famine, and he goes down to Egypt. When they, when they leave Egypt, the Torah tells us that both Avraham and Lot are wealthy. So here we have Avraham uh, working hard. He earns more wealth in, in Mitzrayim, in Egypt. Um, but he also seems to invest or partner up with his, with his orphan nephew, Lot. And this is part of the value of when we work and then help other people become successful, uh, we have more success. Unfortunately, Lot loses the, uh, he loses the important message, which is that uh, material wealth is supposed to be used for spiritual pursuits, mm. and it finds himself in Stoma and Amora. But, you know, that's that's another part of the book I get to. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, that's not just there. I mean, it's it's similar to, I think it's similar to how you describe Noah's generation. Uh, it, when, there's ex, when there's excess, when there's availability, uh, when there's when there's ease, when when there's an easier method to earn a living or to get things done, often that leads to problems. And and not to not to depict your presentation as you know, if you do one way, you have these problems. If you do it another way, you have these problems. But it does seem like every one of these economic directions comes with its own set of challenges. Yeah, I think you know, in general, life is complicated, and we can't simplify it. And you know, your point about Noah is, is super important. So we all, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind when we talk about Noah is, who's Noah? Well, he built an ark, and, and he saved everyone from the flood. But I think the truth about Noah is, is both more complicated and more, uh, more subtle. And so Noah is an inventor. He doesn't just build and invent the ark. What he does is he first invents the plow. Chazal say that he invents the plow, but it's there in the Sukkim itself. You just have to look. Um, because what goes on is five generations before Yered, his great-great-great-grandfather, um, decides to start having children at a later age. He's like the Thomas Malthus of his generation. Malthus, of course, is the Anglican priest from a couple hundred years ago who said there'll never be enough food in the world to feed the explosion of humanity. Well, there's now five times as many people, and we're all still here, so everything's okay. And uh, what happens is, is that five generations in, uh, Noah invents the plow, and he's the first person to have three children, and the Torah tells us that uh, population exploded afterwards, but there is more material wealth then because he unlocked the ability to produce more food. Right. That's the first story of Noah, but then humanity destroys itself because of this era of abundance. And then later on, after the flood, Noah plants a vineyard, and he invents chemistry, fermentation, and wine. He's the first uh, creator and drinker of wine, which is an unbelievable innovation, just like the plow's an unbelievable innovation. And wine is like the water of the ancients, because it was clean and not brackish, especially after a flood, uh, because it was alcoholic. And you can do amazing things with wine, like be happy, etc. And Noah, unfortunately, drinks himself to a drunken stupor and is abused uh, by his son, and it ruins his family. And I think what this teaches us is innovation is great, and it's super important and propels society forward and creates errors of abundance. But if we don't have timeless values and values of the Torah to go alongside of it, it goes sideways. And and Noah went sideways. I think the same is true today. Artificial intelligence, synthetic biology, autonomous vehicles, robots. We have so much innovation that's propelling society forward, but we need timeless Torah principles alongside of it to make sure it goes the right way. Michael Eisenberg is with us. The book is called The Tree of Life and Prosperity, 21st Century Business Principles from the Book of Genesis. Well, I was about to say to you that you know, there's no era of abundance like this era. Uh, you know, we're, we're in covid and there's a lot of poverty on this planet, but I don't know if there's ever been a time 
when there's been more abundance, availability, um, a lot of disposable income, uh, a lot of people spending on things that we never, that our parents and grandparents never would have dreamed that people would spend on these days. Uh, I, I mean, I, do you? I mean, I, without what? What are the Torah principles that we should be incorporating into society today that would, you know, stem the tide of the evil that might come from this era of abundance? So I'll say two things about this. Uh, one is covered in this book, and one is actually covered in the book in Tvarim, which is basically written in Hebrew already. Um, so one of the things I advocate for in the book is to remove the dichotomy between business and charity, and that businesses for the 21st century need to be built on timeless principles and ethics. And, you know, that's the case of Lemonade. If you think about the world of insurance, I have bad news for your listeners. If they have a traditional insurance company, the insurance company uh, makes money when they're miserable. What does that mean? You had a flood, God forbid, or a car accident. The insurance company is incentivized to reject your claim because they make more money that way. Right. Came along Lemonade, this company I invested in, now public, uh, New York Stock Exchange, and said, you know, we should just take money for managing the pool. We should not make more money when we're rejecting other people in their time of needs. And so they, they take a flat fee for managing the pool. And people get paid properly and are happier customers, and this is the fastest-growing insurance company in the world right now. And there's a reason for that is aligned principles in business will create better brands and companies in the 21st century. And that's what I advocate for uh, in the introduction and, and throughout the book based on Torah principles. But I think in, in Sefer Dvarim, particularly in the last week's parshas, the Torah, we're not the first people to enter abundance. Am Yisrael, when it goes into the land of Israel, the Torah says you'll find houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant, and you'll become wealthy and successful. You'll have a haughty heart, and you'll forget God and that he gave you the strength to do these things. And, and I, I think that's a super important uh, place to be and understand that even if we are talented, like, like the Ron says on, uh, on the Pasuk of Kochiva Otsimiyadi, you have talents and you're unique and you really have accomplished a lot, and they are your talents. But you were born with some of those talents, and those came from God, even if you have uh, accomplished a lot with those talents. And we need to have that understanding and build businesses that have that understanding. And I think COVID's taught us anything. It's a lot of humility. Well, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you might have the only book that I know of that has both Avraham Avinu and Mark Zuckerberg mentioned in it. Uh, but with, with that in mind, I mean, I don't think any companies are under the microscope now more than ever. Uh, I don't think any companies are more under the microscope about morals and ethics than the social media companies. Uh, I mean, what are, what are your feelings when you see the type of behavior that the leadership of Facebook, Twitter, and the like, and I'll use the names generically, just you know, reminding people what the social media giants are. I mean, what are your impressions when you see some of the things that they undertake and some of the things that you know the average person really resents? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think in general, um, and I, I, I attack this in, in the book, um, I compare the social media companies, I've written about this uh, recently in a couple of pieces, are, are like Migdal Bavel, the Tower of Babel. Um, and they have been deplatforming people. There's a lot of power associated there in an attempt to enforce a universal language and a universal way of thinking. And I think that's not okay. Um, I think the lesson of Migdal Bavel actually is, is God did not smash uh, the Tower of Babel. Instead, he scattered the people, giving them their own language and essentially self-efficacy over their culture and their language. Right. And that self-efficacy is important. I think we need the same for social media. I think we need to scatter the social media companies, scatter the social graph, and give people ownership 
uh, over their data and their social graphs and make them portable so they can develop their own languages. It worries me a lot. And by the way, and, even though it looks bleak, I think we're heading in that direction. Like, I think there really is hope that, that you know, at a, at a certain point, what you just described is going to happen. It might. I, I think there's another thing that's really challenging right now, which is the world is accelerating at an unbelievable pace, and technology is accelerating at an unbelievable pace, and, and Zoom and COVID has brought people together globally to work on things that accelerates things further. Governments and regulations, though, are like the Pony Express still. Right. And, you know, this is, this is a clash that's coming, and I think it's a clash between uh, civilizations. Uh, I'm optimistic broadly because I think the Torah is optimistic, uh, or somebody told me yesterday, Rabbi Sachs says, instead of using the word optimism, uh, we should use the word uh, hopeful, mm-hmm. because in, in hope you have agency, whereas in optimism it's a state of being. I'm very hopeful, and I think um, we'll figure this out, but it's going to be rickety, I think, because anytime you have one plate moving in one speed and another moving in another speed, there's friction. There certainly is. Michael Eisenberg's here. It's the uh, Tree of Life and Prosperity is the name of the book. You know, uh, there may not be a figure who um, uh, most exemplifies dealing with a difficult economic situation in the book of Genesis uh, more than Joseph. And you're you're a, you're a good businessman. You're somebody who's uh, been around the block, let's say, when it comes to uh, uh, the business world. Uh, I think when one looks at Joseph economically, from an economic standpoint, one can praise him or one can criticize him. Where do you fall when it comes to how Joseph managed? a challenging situation in Egypt. So first of all, I'll point out to you that we've now covered uh, uh, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, uh, and now Joseph. And you were wondering at the beginning of the conversation whether there are business principles and economic principles in, in the book of Rashid, in the book of Genesis. Right, but, but, that know, was, but that was it's more... It's all over the place. But that was more about the whole Torah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of wondering if I should ask you about Kisavo since we're in that week, but you probably have something you on know, Kisavo, right? Yeah, yeah, that's an easy one, actually. Um, Tazria Mitzora is harder. That's correct. But, <laughs> you call this during but, um, the right week. What do you say about Yosef? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Yosef uh, is is debated among the the parshanim among the exegetes of the Middle Ages in the modern era pretty vigorously and it, it breaks into two camps and I have a third camp personally uh, one camp uh, like the Ralbag and and others see him as having absolutely saved Egypt saved his family fixed the economy of Egypt uh, and make it work um, Rabbi Yosef Bechorshur in, in medieval times um, Shadal and others see him as not having done such a good job, so much so that uh, Rav Yosef Bechorshor says that Yosef's uh, mismanagement or overshoot uh, caused the the slavery in Egypt. Right. Um, right. And so, but, but my view is, is more complicated than that nuance. I, I, I adopt Rabag and the others who said Yosef did a good job and intentions, uh, and, and ad- adopt what Rav Yosef Bechorshor says and said he caused the slavery, but argue that economies are very complex systems. Like biology, um, economies are very, very complex systems. And when you tinker in one place, you don't know how it's going to be affected different place. And that Yosef really had a great plan, and he invented certain kinds of storage and really understood how to harness the seasons to make this work. But that ultimately the plan impacted people so much that he had to enslave them and move them off their ancestral lands that it created a lot of resentment. 
And I think this is a very cautionary tale that even the most brilliant minds, economists, finance ministers, business people, even if they get it right for now, when you tinker with a complex system, you can, you can get into real trouble and overshoot, and they're really unpredictable. And complex systems in general, like Nicholas Nassim Taleb says, uh, need to be anti-fragile. And the Egyptian economy created by, by Yosef was very centralized, which made it super fragile um, and broke. And it broke on the Jewish people, on B'nai Israel at that time. And so I take a positive view of Yosef's intentions, but, but a negative view of the outcome, because the system is, is so complex. And, and for what it's worth, that's very relevant to today. You know, we're tinkering a lot with biology. Look at uh, GMOs uh, and vaccines and, and COVID. You know, Anthony Fauci argued in a 2011 Washington Post article that it's okay, we can tinker with the flu virus um, because, you know, we'll learn a lot from it. And who knows if it escaped from a lab or not? I certainly don't know. But, but it, you know, it causes you to have some caution, right. I think, and, and to respect the complex systems that, that, that God has created. Michael Eisenberg, there, it's, it's, it's a complicated world, as you said earlier, but, but the, uh, reading this book and about the uh, incredible business principles in the book of Genesis uh, certainly uh, makes one think. And I guess if you're writing a book, that's what you want ultimately is to make people think about concepts and about this world in general. The book is, on a, uh, uh, is uh, being released by a publisher called Wicked Sun. How do people obtain the book? Well, you can get it on Amazon. You know, thank God the book hit number one uh, in business ethics wow. uh, over the last bunch of days, and and it's hitting number two in Old Testament commentaries. I hope it's behind Rashi, but I don't know who it's behind. <laughs> and, uh, and but it's number one in new releases in Old Testament commentaries, and it, it's in the top like uh, two thousand books on Amazon overall. So I'm really satisfied with what's going on, and you can buy it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I hope Simon and Schuster, who's my distributor and publisher, gets it into. Uh, Swarm stores. I, I've tried to persuade them. I don't know if they've they've succeeded to be candid because I'm in Yerushalayim right. and not in uh, in Teaneck or the Five Towns. So, um, you know, I hope it's there too. But Amazon and, and BarnesandNoble.com are clearly the easiest. And if you want bulk orders uh, for 25 and more, we get you a discount from BookPal. So, um, really, really excited. Like you mentioned, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Avram Avinu, Alfred <laughs> Nobel, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, Matt Ridley, Yosef Yaakov, Yitzhak. We got them all. Uh, <laughs> you certainly do. I'm sure people are curious. Uh, many of us, and I, I know a lot of listeners, uh, know about some of the companies that you've followed over the years and uh, really put uh, resources behind. Is there anything today in mid-2021 that's striking your fancy more than others? Well, we, we I'll, I'll speak about one existing investment and then one trend. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned a company, Healthy IO, before. I think it's pretty stunning uh, Yonatan Adiri is just a remarkable guy. He was Shimon Peres's chief technology officer when Peres was president of Israel. And his mom mom fell in China on a trip, and he said, it's it's crazy that we have these supercomputers in our park. It's called smartphones, and we can't diagnose things remotely. Right. And he said about transforming the smartphone camera into a full diagnostic device. It started with urine testing. And they launched in Israel and the United Kingdom, and it's exploded there. They do urine testing to, for early detection of kidney disease and uh, for UTIs, urinary tract infections, and other things, just using the smartphone camera. It's pretty stunning, and it should be launching in the U.S., I hope, uh, towards the end of this year. They're hopefully clearing the FDA uh, soon. And I think when you think about this, it's really remarkable. Uh, you can create an amazing business making life more convenient for people. They don't just schlep to a lab and making it cheaper to provide health care. 
to many more people and doing a lot of good in the world. And I think that's that's being a light unto the nations yeah. uh, with this kind of innovation and, and marrying what I call values create uh, value, values create economic value. And and another trend I'm, I'm, I'm watching pretty hard right now is because the pandemic uh, laid a lot of people off, there is a huge movement uh, in this period they're calling the Great Resignation into self-starting businesses. Right. And self-starting businesses can be lonely, though. Yep. And um, I think there's a lot of work to do with technology, one, to make uh, sole proprietors more successful. We have a couple of investments in this area, uh, Honeybrook for Service Professionals and an unannounced one uh, for other people, but, but more to build community around these things. And I'm a big believer in the, in the power of these communities, both online and in person, uh, to support people and empower people and partner with people uh, to make a living. And you know, I'll make one more macro comment if it's okay with you. Yeah, but I just understand that one. In other words, I, uh, it sounds like a network, but more like a professional, uh, you know, established network of people who are entrepreneurs and have good ideas. But I mean, and, and are involved in completely unrelated stuff. But there's a lot that they have in common, and it's sort of like a, a professional support group, right? Would that be the right way of putting it? it? Well, yes, but it could be much more than that, right? It could be economic empowerment, like. Solo entrepreneurs don't necessarily have pensions. That's provided by big employers. Right. And solo entrepreneurs don't have people who can invest in them. Right. And by the way, they don't have they don't have the financial tools uh, that big corporations have. And right. we using technology and the smartphone and, and artificial intelligence today can provide super smart personal financial tools uh, and services to entrepreneurs um, and to and to households uh, in a way we couldn't. And we have this company that's only focused on the Israeli market now called Rise Up. It's an amazing thing. They literally provide the value of a family office that's normally targeted at wealthy people to any individual. It's an AI bot that lives in WhatsApp and Messenger um, and tracks your finances, tell you how much money you have to spend, and, hey, you can slough off some for savings and put some away for a pension or invest some money here. And they've literally taken many, many, many thousands of Israelis out of overdraft um, just with a bot and AI. I I think that's, again, values create value, and it's, it's creating a consumer community of personal efficacy and financial efficacy, self-efficacy, that's, that's, I think, important. And you're creating economic freedom and independence, and what's better than that? Exactly. By the way, on that topic, if, if you'll allow me, sure. I, I've, gotten, I've gotten asked since the book's released a bunch of times when I think about China, um, funnily. And um, the truth is that in my investment career, and I've been doing this for 25 years, I have not invested in China, uh, neither out of my, my funds or, or personal account. And, and uh, that's actually been driven by the Torah. Um, in a pretty uh, meaningful way. And the reason is the following. Uh, before there was freedom from slavery in Egypt, there was no uh, personal ownership. There was no capitalism. Capitalism at its core means you own your property. Right. Think about it. There was no lo tignov, do not steal, and no lo tachmo, thou shalt not covet, uh, before the Exodus, because nobody owned anything. And, right. and God takes pains to tell Avram Avinu that he's going to leave Egypt with a lot of property. Why? Because he wanted them to have private property. That's foundational for freedom. And um, I've always thought that in China, you don't own what you own or you think you own. Right. And, you know, most recently, as, as China's taken action against tech companies and canceled the Ant.com IPO and others, you know, I, I think this is a cautionary lesson and a reminder to all of us about how important freedom is and it should not be taken for granted. Well, isn't that a message that you should be transmitting to some of your colleagues and some of the government officials in Israel as they get more and more cozy with China? I have. <laughs> I, I even wrote a blog. I even wrote a blog post about it in 2017. Uh, they got they got me summoned. <laughs> so, That's interesting. Wow, they they behaved like yeah. China with that one. I guess. <laughs> no, it was it was a lovely conversation. It was really a lovely conversation. It, 
it was the blog post was a conversation starter uh, as it should have been. Understood, but it's, yeah. uh, people wonder about. I mean, look, th- th- there's no secret here when it comes to Africa, when it comes to uh, Afghanistan, when it comes to Europe, and of course, the United States. People are always wondering about the uh, uh, economic invasion of China, but I think it's happening in Israel also, right? Not, not just Tanuva, but but on a much larger scale. I think it's happening everywhere. It's happening yeah. in the U.S. too, but the U.S. set up a more rigorous CFIUS review board. CFIUS is a in organ of the Senate to, to review transactions by foreign powers. Um, and it needed a it needed a process to get after this. And Israel didn't have one set up. It's, it started to get one set up. Um, and, and the problem in Germany, where the Chinese have bought many robotic manufacturing companies. And by the way, with what's going on in Afghanistan, I'm, I'm pretty certain that China's got some designs on, on rare earth minerals in right. Afghanistan and building the, you know, the Belt Road Initiative, the, the, the train, uh, all through Afghanistan and into Europe and Iran, this, this should worry us. And yeah. you know, we, we, it, the U.S. got vigilant about it only in the last few years. I think uh, Israel's behind behind the curve on that. Yeah, I was reading somewhere that Afghanistan is 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 home to some of the uh, largest portions of natural resources in the world, certain items. Uh, and of course, yes. Ch- China has uh, an interest in that. Uh, as five seven eight one comes to an end. And and as we are now in this stage of COVID, I never want to say the end of COVID, especially when it's when we're talking about Israel. Um, would we, would you evaluate Israel's economy as a strong economy still right now? The answer is yes, um, but in any economy right now, we need to talk about uh, two fundamental economies. There's the technology economy, which has reached escape velocity um, and created untold wealth over the last couple of decades, and particularly the last four or five years. And there are other segments of the economy um, that have been under more assault. Um, by the way, the media business has obviously felt this as well, but, but right. many others. And so um, the technology economy has, has roared forward. I, I did a calculation. Um, this will blow some people's minds, but that there's so much in $8 and $10 billion coming off of lockup. Lockup is what happens when you take a company public and you can't sell shares for cold six or 12 months. Um, and Israeli IPOs and public offerings have eight to ten billion dollars coming off of lockup in the next six to twelve months. You know that'll drive real estate prices fast uh, higher. And so the tech economy in Israel is roaring, and there are some other parts of the economy like real estate because of that. Those that are roaring, but there's others that not. And by the way, the same is true in the United States, um, where if we all don't do a better job bringing more people into the tech economy, uh, we're going to have we're going to have serious issues uh, on wealth gaps, and we're going to have serious issues. On, on figure out what people are going to do, and so we need to we need to really dig into that um, in a hard way. And your point about COVID is, you know, I, it, I don't know where we're at on it either. Um, uh, in different places, have taken different strategies, which I think, in some measure, reflects the the price tag people put on life. I know that's not right. a nice way to say it, but it's right. the truth. Right. Um, and uh, you know, Israel's taking a hard line on that, but we're having a hard time right now, particularly with unvaccinated populations. Yeah. So. Um, people should go out and get vaccinated, and we, we kind of have to figure out how to get back to life at normal, but we're going to lose a lot of people, unfortunately. You know, it's spreading everywhere right now again. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the variant's any different than the first one. It just it incubates longer. It spreads faster. we gotta, we got to learn to live with it. Simple as that. There are other things we've learned to live with, and we've got to learn to live with this and not run away from it and not, not participate in the only quarantine of healthy people in the history of the world. Um, yeah. Uh, you mentioned something about the technology and how we have to step it up here in the U.S. Without a strong, I, I don't know if that's possible without a really strong public school system here in the U.S. And I don't think they're equipped for it, uh, both in elementary and high school level, to you know, to to 
train uh, or at least familiarize young people with what you're looking for, uh, more of a, uh, a strong acumen when it comes to technology? So one of the things that I think the Torah teaches us, uh, I was giving a, a lecture two nights ago on this, and it's particularly true in Vayikra, but it's all of it. What does that mean? And your brother will live with you. And live just mean, doesn't mean he'll be alive. It means he'll, he'll flourish. And I think the Torah guides us to a civic responsibility. And I think that civic responsibility is if I invest in my fellow and don't just wait for the government to do it, then the pie, the economic pie grows. Yep. And I think that that's at the heart of what the Torah thinks. It's not just what, like the Rambam says, that the highest degree of, of charity of tzedakah is to do business with somebody. It's it's fundamental. If you partner with someone, invest with them, um, you know, the, the economic pie grows. And so, you know, I think all your listeners shouldn't wait for the government to do this. They won't. They can't. Yeah. And it's yeah. not their fault. Right. If they're still living in the Pony Express, it's a civic responsibility. Right. 100%. Uh, Michael Eisenberg, the book is called The Tree of Life and Prosperity. We're highly recommending it, everybody. It's on Amazon and a variety of other places. The Tree of Life and Prosperity, Michael Eisenberg. I take this opportunity to uh, wish you a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. And this was really enjoyable. Thanks for joining us this morning. Malcolm, thank you so much for having me again. And uh, I, I, what I'm trying to do with the, with the book, and the one will come after it, which will be called uh, Everyone Can Be Moses, uh, <laughs> Everyone Can Be Moshe, is... Well, you know, it's out in Hebrew already, on right. so I know what it'll be called in English. And I'm just, I'm trying to start a conversation. So the extent people pick it up and either read it week by week or read it in one sitting in the middle of the rabbi's drusha. No, no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, we, we, uh, you know, I, I love feedback, reviews, uh, and just to have a conversation. So uh, thank you for having me here, and thank you for having this conversation. And keep up the great work you're doing. And Shana Tova, Ktivah V'Chatimah Tova. Shana Tova to you. Wednesday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. We'll get to that song, don't worry. <laughs> we'll get to Jakob Shweki. Uh, Avram Fried with Atata. You heard Rebona Shalom done by uh, Yehuda Glanz. Thank you to Dr. David Hershorn for getting me back into that song. Wednesday morning, it's J.M. in the A.M. Hello, hello. Avrami's in tomorrow. Uh, Friday, Matis, it looks like, is going to do this show. I'll be back here Monday after my foot surgery. Um, oh, someone had sent a... A message. Uh, let's see if I can find it here quickly. Um, please keep in mind Golda Basara Razel. Golda Basara Razel for a foolish lame. A Golda Basara Razel. And we thank you for that. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. By the way, let me see if I could pull up the information here. Hang on. Um, by the way, our friends at um, at com have a sale that's going on until the 29th of August. That's this coming Sunday. The sale is on until the 29th of August, 15% off on all stenders. Now, that means the standing stenders. It means the tabletop stenders. It means the foldable stenders. It means the ones that um, uh, that have um, you know that capability of being on top of the table and uh, have all the flexibility of being you know on different angles. All those stenders are now available to you at fifteen percent off at shopiclers.com. Shopiclers.com has same day delivery. And by the way, for stenders, that's good. Same day delivery. You know, people bring it right to you. Uh, in so many neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey. So check it out. ShopEichlers.com. ShopEichlers.com. Call them for information and take advantage of the big Stender sale, which ends this coming Sunday. Yes, yes, yes. Our friends at Gaia Coffee remind you that uh, they will be in stores by Rosh Hashanah, their delicious fresh brewed coffee bags. And uh, you could go to GaiaCoffee.com right now and order a sampler and order the uh, the coffee. It's very simple. It's very simple, and it's perfect for Yuntif. Uh You literally fill your glass with boiling hot water, toss the coffee bag in, and a couple of minutes later, you have fresh brewed coffee. I know it's hard to believe. People don't think under that system you could have something that tastes fresh brewed, but it is fresh brewed. Um, simple as that. So, um, what can I say? It's worth a try. And those of you who are coffee experts, let me know how it goes. GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A, coffee.com. They are a proud sponsor of the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up, Yaakov Shweki at JM in the AM.
לדוד השם, אורי ואישי, אורי ואישי, מי מיהרה? השם מעוז חיי, אי ממי יפחד? אי ממי יפחד? אם תחנה עלי מחנה, לא יירא ליבי. אם תקום עלי, עלי מלחמה, בזאת אני פותח. גם כי אלך בגס על
JM in the AM. Pretty amazing, huh? Le David Hashem Ori. That's uh, Yaakov Shweki here at JM in the AM. Our Elul Chesed campaign is in full swing. And from the very beginning of our Elul Chesed campaign, which began on Rosh Chodesh, remember that Monday? Rosh Chodesh Elul, that's when our Elul Chesed campaign began. From the very beginning, we've been asking people to please keep in mind our Mayor Obracha, the Terror Victim Support Center in Jerusalem. Leora Teji and her amazing family uh, give every single week so much food and necessities to poor people in Israel, Yerushalayim and beyond. And now, before Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot, you can imagine just how much they're going to have to give to make sure everybody gets through the holiday. So we are asking everybody to keep in mind Arme Urbracha. How do you support Arme Urbracha now before the brand new year of 5782? Terror-victims.org.il Terror-victims.org.il Leora Teji, Shalom, Shalom, Shana Tova. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Shalom, Shalom, Nachum, Shana Tova, Uvorechet for everyone. Leora, is it possible that to give the number of carrots that you have to give to families that you're spending four and a half thousand dollars, is it possible that you're spending four and a half thousand dollars on oil? Is it possible you're spending over three thousand dollars on bananas? Is it possible you're spending over $2,500 on honey? Is it possible that the wine that you give to families before Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot costs over $5,000? Is it possible that the chickens that you have to give to the poor people that you support before Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot is $50,000? Leora, is it possible that these are the actual costs? Yes, it's possible, and this is the, and I didn't include, when you was here, Nahum, I didn't include more things that we have to give, because, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, I say when the people see the list, I not want that they, uh, that they say it's, uh, it's unbelievable how much uh, money we can uh, help to people for victims of terror. But it's possible, yes, every week, every week we give them. And now, Bezrat Hashem, before the Chagim, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure we have because a lot of people, uh, you know, they uh, they call to the office, they came to my house, they're begging to me, please help us, please help us. And Do especially you... when you see the small kids, it broke my heart. Do you know the number of hundreds of families that you're now helping? Do you know... How many, how many families do you think you're now helping on a regular basis? What could you tell us? Every week, I help to 400 uh, families. Wow. And Bezrat Hashem for Rosh Hashanah, 500 uh, people, they're going to get from me, Bezrat uh, Hashem, one box of uh, 10 chicken, each one of them, and oil, 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 uh, oil and, uh, and sugar, and Bezrat uh, Hashem honey, and uh, dates, and... Uh, and flower, and a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, things for uh, Rosh Hashanah, and pomegranate, and vegetables, and fruit. So every, uh, so, so every time that someone gives a donation, they are having a chalek, they're having a part, a portion, of giving 500 families food for Yom Tov. Yes, 
Yes, absolutely wow. yes. Wow. I mean, everybody out there in this audience, you know what our Elul Chesed campaign has been focused on, and I've made it very clear, unlike some other campaigns where I also make it clear, we are not benefiting a penny from our mayor of Bracha. We are doing this just to make sure that Leora Teji has what she needs to give to families before Rosh Hashanah and before Sukkot. And all you have to do to have a portion of giving 500 families what they need for Yuntif is to go to terror-victims.org.il. Terror-victims.org.il. Now, Leora, um, you showed me when I was in Yerushalayim, you showed me a little, I'm not even sure how to say it uh, in, in, in New York terms. I have to think about exactly how to describe it. But essentially, it's a small scooter. It's a covered scooter that would allow people to much more easily travel through Yerushalayim and the narrow streets and all the traffic of Jerusalem. Now, that scooter costs about $8,000. Why is it important for you and the families to have access to a, to a scooter like that? Uh, because after the bombing, a lot of the people, they... Uh... They cannot, uh, if uh, they have a problem in the eyes or they, pro- they have a problem in the hand and they cannot be like, uh, like before, uh, but they need to go to, to buy food, they need to go to the, to, the, to the doctor to take all the pills that they need, everything, so they not, uh, they not uh, depend on people. They independent. They, they feel... That they not have, um, that they not need to somebody to take them here and there, and it costs a lot, a lot of money, all the deck taxi and everything. So we buy them for few uh, families we buy already, and Baruch Hashem, you have to see them how they suddenly they they have the smile, they so happy, they uh, give so m- many blessings to the other uh, people that they uh, can go out from the house. And special now with the corona and everything, a lot, a lot of people at home. And uh, I not want to say nobody cares, but uh, because the distance, so we have to do a lot, a lot of things by themselves. And yeah. it's a big, big schut and mitzvah to help them. The uh, It's very simple. This scooter, everybody, uh, that costs $8,000 of a synagogue or an individual or a group wants to put together the money and sponsor one, it goes to a family um, that you know needs to get to doctor's appointments, needs to get to the pharmacy, needs to get to supermarkets, uh, and has no other way to get around and cannot afford uh, the cabs, etc. They want to be free and independent, which we always encourage, and this is one of the ways to help a family be free and independent. So if you want to um, a sponsor a scooter that um, uh, goes through the narrow streets of Jerusalem and is able to avoid a lot of the traffic in Jerusalem to make life a little easier for these families that have gone through so much. You can contact Leora. Uh, again, the uh, address, the email address is office at terror-victims.org.il, office at terror-victims.org.il. Uh, and, of course, you could use the website to donate. Uh, but if you do want to give and uh, sponsor one of the scooters uh, to help a family permanently, uh, then please be in touch with Leora directly uh, through the email address. And it's almost Rosh Hashanah. If if um, if if Rosh Hashanah is Monday night, are you going to be giving out the food for Rosh Hashanah this week or next week, Leora? Bezrat Hashem on uh, September se- uh, September second, 
And then, of course, food for Sukkot as well. Uh, you know the basic needs, everybody. We've gone through this many, many times on the air. We just went through it a few minutes ago with Leora Tedji, who leads our mayor, Ubracha, in uh, Yerushalayim. Uh, it's very simple. Each one of these items costs money. Uh, and the honey for 500 families costs over $2,500. The halot, over $4,000. The wine, $5,200. The chickens that Leora just described, everyone gets a healthy supply of chickens, $50,000. Apples, over $6,000. Potatoes, over $4,000. Maybe you want to sponsor a specific food item. Whatever you want to do, please do it. Be part of our El Chesed campaign. Give to our mayor, Ubracha. Every time you give a donation, you have a portion of 500 families getting food for Yontif. It's as simple as that. And I've seen the operation in action. They're, they're really giving it out. They're giving out food and a lot of food. And a lot of people who are in need uh, are able to make Yontif because of them. Simple as that. Leora, I hope that uh, you're getting what you need in order to make this happen. Ani mikaveh. Ani mikaveh sheyesh lach masha atzricha la'asot et kol zeh bishvil chamesh meot mishpachot. I tell you the truth. First I jump and then I swim. I say to Hashem, I give to your children. And I'm sure that the people, when they hear, they hear me, the, the heart of the Neshama, they're going to hear me, and Be'ezrat Hashem, they're going to give. And I want to bless all of you, Be'ezrat Hashem, all the people that they uh, listen to your uh, station. May Hashem should give them Be'ezrat Hashem k'tiva v'chatima tova. Amen. Shana tova u'metuka. Amen. Shefa, bracha, atzlacha, refua, siyata dishmaya, enot ev de korona, enot ev any sick Be'ezrat Hashem. We're going to be very, very, very good children for Hashem. And Hashem should give us, Be'ezrat Hashem, a lot of siyata dishmaya for everyone. And each one of the family, Be'ezrat Hashem, they're going to be happy because each one of the people, they listen to your station, Nachum. <laughs> and I want to, to tell you, Nachum, Nachum David and Esther, that all what you're doing for all Meir and Bracha, may Hashem should give you back. Amen, amen. Leora Shana Tova v'todaraba, and we're going to continue to tell people to help as much as they can. Thank you so 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 much. And if they want the the name of the the name on the kalnoit that they want to buy, no problem. Yep. We can put yep. the name 100%. whatever they want. They can meet the families also, no problem. And I can't to give. Hundred percent. Yeah. Anybody out there who would like to sponsor one of those scooters for a family? Next time you're in Israel, you'll be able to meet that family, and of course, obviously, the scooter will. Um, will indicate that uh, you and your family have donated it uh, to a very, very important cause, or Mayor Ubracha. It's $8,000 to sponsor one scooter uh, in use by one or more families uh, in Yerushalayim. Uh, but uh, our Elul Chesed campaign, very simple. Every time you give, you are getting a share in providing 500 families. I knew it was a big number. I knew it was a big number. I knew it was not 50 families. 500 families. Food for Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. 500 families. You give $10, it's 10 divided by 500. You give $1,000, 1000 divided by 500. Every family will be benefiting from your donation, no matter how large, no matter how small. Terror-victims.org.il terror-victims.org.il. Very simple. More coming up. It is a 
Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Can hear his own heart beating, hoping 
heart filled his mind was just a bad dream. The silence seems so eerie. Nothing is all he can see. Young child feels a shudder. Is this his new reality? Just one more day Mama's unsure Should she read the paper Sadness at the same old news Crying as she keeps on reading How many more did we lose? Oh yeah Have one on every word 
J.M. in the A.M. Hamalach, that's a uh, song off of the uh, Shlomo Yehuda Rechnitz Sheer Volume Number 3 from Simcha Liner. Powerful song about the COVID existence that we are through, uh, that we are, well, experiencing, let's put it that way. Uh, Barry Weber before that here at J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday morning, thanks for joining us. Uh, participate in the Elul Chesed campaign, no matter what you do, whether it's helping a... Uh, single mother with her children, whether it's offering to um, provide meals for a night or two for a family before Yontif, just to make things easier as they prepare for Yontif, whether it's uh, sending a bottle of wine to somebody who will be thrilled to know that you're thinking of them, whether it's saying a kind word to somebody before Yontif or adding them to your uh, pre-Yontif phone call list, Um, whether it's a donation to a worthy um, cause uh, like the one we've been talking about for our friend Sandy. Uh, that's a GoFundMe campaign. Go to GoFundMe.com. The campaign is called Help Sandy, S-A-N-D-I, Get a New Apartment. Uh, that might strike your fancy. Whatever whatever you want to do, just please participate in the Elul Chesed campaign. If someone does something nice for you, think what you could do for someone else uh, as well. That's what we ask. Simple as that. Arye Kunstler at JM in the AM. Another sleepless night trying to get it right Just another toss and turn Been working hard to not fall apart But now I feel I'm burning down Trying to figure all this out Headed to my car running from the stars Trying to be in control Hit the docks, put the car in park Headed into the cold I can feel the chill deep in my bones In my soul
was real life And I felt in my heart that everything would be alright It was five in the morning at night Staring at the sky The sun was rising and the tears were falling freely from my eyes And in that moment I will never forget I felt in my heart that it was time that I learned to exist Everything that happens is for the best Everything that happens I accept Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network and of course any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday here at JMM. My thanks to Michael Eisenberg. My thanks to Leo Reteggi. My thanks to a Jamie Geller. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, I will have foot surgery later today, please God. And uh, Avrami will sit in tomorrow morning. Matis, please, God, on Friday. I'll see you Monday back here at JM in the AM. Have a um, wonderful Wednesday. Till next time, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.